Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 405 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how are you doing this week, my man? I'm doing great, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Always good. Let's dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to start here at the Teatro Maggiore. Um, it could be an awful Italian accent there, but I gave it a go. Um, over here, two fights to mention. One on the undercard, Dan Aziz of the UK, now 20-0, and his 20th win. Um, a points win over eight rounds against Khalid Gradia, who's now 10-12 and 12 with four draws. I didn't actually know this fight was going ahead. I think it kind of got thrown together at the last minute. But anyway, a win for Dan Aziz. Lots of big rumors about his next opponent. We shall see. We shall wait for the announcement. And yeah, the main event, Sandor Martinez a man who I feel extremely sorry for at the moment. Um, I felt he beat Teofimo Lopez, but he didn't get the fight with Josh Taylor. He ended up fighting here in Italy. Um, so, yeah, he is now 41-3. and free. I did say on last week's show, the guy he's boxing, Arblin Cabas, not very good and has never boxed at the level of Martin. So I felt there was a chance Martin could get the stoppage, and he did get the stoppage. So I put a little small bet on that. Um, yeah, so like I say, good win there for Sandor Martin, 41-3, and three, uh, round 6 KO there. Moving now to the Virtue Motors Arena in Newcastle, Tynan Ware, United Kingdom. This one was live on DAZN. Two fights to mention, Kez Ashfak, now 12-2. and two. He lost a split decision over 12 rounds to Liam Dillon. Really good fight, Liam Dillon now 13-0 and 0 with a draw, still undefeated. Um, Ashfak down in round 4 and round 9. Uh, both boxers cut as well. It was for the vacant British super featherweight title. I think it's very unfortunate, but Kez Ashfak seems to have found his level very quickly, and it's not such the high level that a lot of people expected um, for him, a former you know Olympian, former GB squad member. Um, yeah, he's kind of found his level, really, and it's like British level at best, which is a real shame. I'm not entirely sure what's going on. I think he's still probably got that style that's a bit more kind of, you know amateurish and um it, you know it just is what it is i don't think we're going to see him end up being a successful pro but yeah massive credit to liam dillon as well i think if i'm not mistaken i don't think ashfak was really hurt through the two knockdowns they were just kind of like you know they got to be scored as knockdowns but i don't think he was massively hurt but credit to dillon because on paper i mean god the accomplishments that ashfak uh you know made as an amateur you'd have thought on paper this is a win uh, you know, a nice and easy win for him. And I expected him to still have enough to get the job done, but how wrong I was. Um, but yeah, it was close in the end. Like I say, split decision there over 12. And the main event, Josh Kelly now 14-1 and with a draw. He was able to take the O away from the previously undefeated Gabriel Corzo, who's now 18-1. and It was for the WBO International Super Welterweight title. Corzo deducted a point in round nine for use of the head. Um... Josh Kelly, again, came out in the first few rounds, looked a million dollars, then seemed to slow down as the fight progressed, and that is, um, you know, that's that's a thing we've seen before with Josh Kelly, unfortunately. Um, a lot of people say it, you know, I've, I think I've seen him discussed before on Twitter, and someone said he's going to come out, box like Roy Jones Jr. in his prime for the first three or four rounds, then slow down. And yeah, that was kind of pretty much what it was, obviously very flashy. I enjoy watching Josh Kelly, to be totally honest with you, but... Yeah, sometimes the rounds are a little bit compet uh, sorry, repetitive, not competitive, not competitive at all, but very repetitive round after round. And sometimes I feel like he kind of gets stuck in gear, if you like, you know, he doesn't really go through the gears, he gets stuck in a gear, and then it's hard to get him out of it. And then he ends up going the distance. But anyway, friend of the show is Josh Kelly. And you know, I got a lot of respect for him, a lot of time for him. And I'm, I'm happy he got a win here. Um, 
and yeah, also on the undercard as well, I forgot to mention, um, Troy Williamson as well, now 20-1 and one with a draw, got in there with a really tough guy, Ramiro Blanco, who I think was 19-23 and 23 with three draws, I believe he'd only been stopped the one time, it was only a six-rounder, so again, I expected Troy Williamson to go the distance, and he did, so that was nice as well to collect a small bit of change there. Moving out now, though, to the Masonic Temple in Detroit, Michigan, again, this one was on zone. let's start with the undercard. Um, I cannot honestly say I remember watching this fight, which seems terrible, and I know that you didn't see it either, Eddie, but Jermaine Franklin, the big heavyweight, now 22-2, and he returned with a win after two consecutive losses to Dillian White and Anthony Joshua, both on points, of course. He got in there with the undefeated Mexican heavyweight Isaac Gutierrez, who showed a really uh, good chin, actually. Now, I do remember that. He's now 17-1 and with a draw, loses his O, but yeah, unanimous to decision there over 10 rounds for Jermaine Franklin. All the best to him moving forward. And yeah, the two, I guess, you know, bigger fights. Um, not in terms of weight, though, of course. But yeah, let's start with this one here. The pro debut of Andy Cruz. He's now 1-0. A unanimous decision over 10 rounds. He cruised to it. Um, he was able to defeat Juan Carlos Borgos, who's now 35-8 and with three draws. Still never been stopped. It was for the vacant IBF international lightweight title. Andy Cruz looked really, really good, Eddie. Um, a lot of people quite critical, though. Um, you know, they're, they're throwing a lot of criticism, a lot of simply because he didn't get the stoppage a lot of people saying he doesn't punch hard you know and I thought that was extremely harsh I mean this is a guy making his pro debut going 10 rounds with a complete and utter veteran of the sport you know this is a guy that Mikey Garcia in his prime of primes could not knock out at a time he was knocking everyone out um, you know this is a super tough guy one of the toughest guys you know in that division and I have no uh, criticism at all for Andy Cruz. Um, I will come to you about him, but let let me just quickly discuss the main event as well first. Um, Alicia Baumgardner defended successfully all her titles. I think she was undisputed, so she's still undisputed. IBF, IBO, WBA, WBC, WBO. Ten round unanimous decision over ten two minute rounds. There, she's now fifteen and one. She was able to beat Christina Linadatu, uh, who's now fourteen and three. Baumgardner has avenged her sole career defeat. Uh, really happy for her, and she came out, you know, quite vicious in rounds, I think maybe one and two, it might have even just been the first round, and then she seemed to kind of slow down a bit, Limadatu came back in, 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 in a few rounds after that, started getting quite successful for a few rounds in a row, and it was like, when Alicia would let her hands go, she looked really good, but a lot of the time I felt that Limadatu was outworking her, however, you know, like I say, she had a bright start, Baumgardner, and she had a really good finish to the fight as well. She came on strong in those later rounds, and for me, um, you know, clinched the victory, and she was the the deserving winner, I felt. So I was happy with that, and obviously she's improved a hell of a lot. Um, but yeah, that's my quick summary of that card there. If you wanted to add anything to it, Eddie, take it away, my man. Yeah, yeah. I first want to speak about uh, the whole Jermaine Franklin missing that fight. I, I, I was... And the thing is, I was turning the fight on is right at the time they were getting out of the ring. They even stopped the highlights. It was right after all of that. And I'm like, damn, I really I really wanted to see at least some of that fight or, you know, get some kind of synopsis of it from, you know, just even a few moments of it. But I couldn't even do that. But, um, you know, we hyped up about this guy, Andy Cruz. And honestly, before this, I swear, I had, I've never heard of him. Never even knew because I don't really pay attention to that part of boxing. You know, you have to push too much, even with hot guys coming to the to the to the pros. But um, you know, just the hearing of it and the hype train behind him, you know, how good this guy was and who he beat in the amateurs and stuff like that. I was really, really interested in what was gonna happen, how he was gonna look against Burgos. And to say the least, I was impressed. I was extremely impressed with what he was able to do. Uh, I see he was with uh, Bozienis, uh, and uh, just he, he's I, I really like his defensive awareness as well. His his ability to uh, you know see, see certain certain shots coming. His understanding of what shots to allow get to get close to create opportunities for offense. 
is 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 it was impressive. A lot of what he did was impressive. His defensive responsibility as well was impressive. So all the way, you know, he's he is he's fast, extremely sharp. Um yeah. I think the hype and and, and the, the the you know behind you know what he's capable of is is warranted. I think he's really an awesome awesome young fighter. He's gonna do a lot of good and in, in uh in the pro game as it goes forward for sure. And um as for Alicia Baumgartner I'll I that was one of the I mean of course I watched the Eddie Cruz fight too but I mean that was the one I was kind of interested in seeing seeing the girl that the one that actually beat her the fighter that actually beat her and whether or not you know that was going to be that you know you got to get the monkey off your back type <laughs> type of situation with that it's like man I can't you know have this looming over that I lost to a girl and I'm undisputed and, and have her come back and and and, and beat me again is just something that's unacceptable so um I, it was good to see her win and and do it in, I want to say dominating fashion, but I think she controlled the fight. You know, what I mean, or like like early on, she did really really well. Like you said, when she let her hands go, but um, I think there was times in there. She, I think she was a little bit too hesitant to throw. And I don't say hesitant or too a little bit too careful. You know what I mean? Or maybe what it what it what it was is she was looking for the perfect shot. Like I think, I think sometimes we fall into those 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 uh, situations where, if you want to make a big splash, you, you you want things to look great. You want to, you know, you're on your home, you're on your hometown. You want to look good. You want to make sure that you 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 make a huge splash. So you like, I want to stop her, and maybe she was looking for a perfect situation to get a highlight knockout. But in boxing, and especially as a professional, you got to know that knockouts don't come. You can't go looking for a knockout, or sometimes they'll find you. So, and as you've seen over the course of the fight, as it progressed, she started to get into the fight a little bit. So um, I think uh, the approach she took at the, in the, at the end of the fight, the later rounds is the way she should have done it from, from, from the beginning, which, you know, I mean, she, well, she kind of did do it in the beginning, but I mean, as the fight progressed, she should have had a, a more measured pace, you know, not necessarily too explosive, but then not necessarily too much on the back foot and, and, and just standing waiting for opportunities. So I think it, I think all in all, you know, I give her a good a good grade on it. She did really well. She she uh, she made sure she uh, avenged that loss and, and did it in a fashion where there's no question she's the better fighter. And you know, I'm just kind of I heard Amanda Serrano mentioned uh, in a fight with her, which is an extremely exciting sounding fight, especially two punches like that uh, with with skills that that can really that would be really really good for uh, women's boxing going forward. So I'm kind of excited about. Not kind of. I'm very excited about what I'm going to see from them in the future, and hopefully they do set up a fight with those two. Yeah, it'd be a great fight. I'd love to see it. I think I'd favor Serrano quite heavy, though. Um, but yeah, moving now to the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, the final card to mention. It went down on Showtime. Um, two fights to mention over here. I've got to be honest, I didn't see either of these fights. But yeah, let me just discuss the results. Um, Elvis Rodriguez with a win. Um, kind of gutted, actually, to see it, you know. Um, a seventh round TKO against Victor Postel. In my eyes, that's the first time that Postel's legitimately been stopped. Um, yeah, from what I've seen, from what I've heard, seemed like... Postal looked quite old in there actually and Elvis Rodriguez was just too aggressive, too young and yeah just really brought it to the to the veteran, to the former champion. Elvis Rodriguez now 15-1 and one with a draw, 14 KOs, always in a good fight. Victor Postal now 31-5 and five. and yeah if that is to be his final fight then you know he's still been a fantastic fighter but it's just a shame how underrated and underappreciated he's been and yeah the main event Frank Martin now 18-0, a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Artem Haratunyan. Um, probably saying his name wrong. I'm sure if I watched it, I'd probably know how to say it properly. But anyway, um, Haratunyan took a knee in round 12. I think I'm saying his name wrong. It sounds hilarious. But anyway, took a knee in round 12. Um, I actually expected Frank Martin to win the fight on points. A lot of people were really, really disappointed, saying he's a hype job. And I feel like there was a lot of real harsh boxing fans watching the boxing on the weekend you know really harsh about Frank Martin really harsh about Andy Cruz um yeah seems like they were being quite harsh but I actually thought yeah Martin doesn't stop everyone and this guy here obviously undefeated hungry never been stopped obviously um and that is pretty much what happened um 
So yeah, I don't know, maybe because I didn't see it, I don't quite understand the criticism that Martin's getting. But anyway, he wins the fight. Um, 18 and oh, like I say, unanimous decision over 12. And that'll be 12 important rounds moving forward. So all the best there to, to Frank Martin. And yeah, that is the final card to mention of the review part of the show. The final thing for me to do in this part is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF minimum weight champion of the world. It is, of course, Mr. DJ Krill. DJ, welcome to the show, my man. What's up, Jerry? Cool, man. Great to be on the show. Hey, it's great awesome. to have you on. It's great to have you on. So, DJ, first things first, I wanted to ask, what initially drew you to the sport of boxing? How did you first ever get into boxing, my man? Oh, so um, I started boxing with my uncle. It was, uh, it is a family sport, you know. My, my grandfather boxed, my uncles boxed, so um, it was actually a family sport that I jumped into. Started boxing with my uncle a little bit, like when I was about eight years old. From there, like I just developed a, like a real, real passion for boxing, um, and I was pretty good since young. So, like I just decided. This is this is what I want to do, you know. And then, like by the age of twelve, this is literally all I done. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, there's something I just stepped into as a family sport, but it grew, you know, grew into a love for myself boxing, you know. Yeah, no, for sure, my man. Yeah. And obviously, you've been a pro since 2014. Um, you turned pro at home in Johannesburg, um, your hometown. Um, April the 10th, 2014. I want to touch on that debut. Obviously, you boxed, and excuse my pronunciation, um, Colin, you might as well do the surname because I don't know if I can do it. Butler, yeah. Okay, there you go. Bit, Butler, yeah. Bit, bit of a mouthful for me. But obviously, you lost your pro debut, a loss on points over four. You did, however, have the immediate rematch. You avenged it just two months later. But talk me through those first two fights of your pro career. Obviously, a long time ago now, of course. Yes, 100%. No, it was a crazy time, man. You know, so um, not a lot of people know this, but I only had three amateur fights. And funny enough, I lost all three of those amateur fights. I was 12 years old, 13, 12, 13, between that time I had three amateur fights. I lost all of them, and I just carried on training in the gym. I said, I don't want to fight amateurs. I said, I'm going to wait until I turn pro. And obviously, that bit me in the arse, you know, <laughs> because uh, I believe, you know, with, with having the experience from uh, amateur fights and stuff, my pro career would have started off much better. Obviously, as you see, like you just say, I lost my first professional fight, and that was due to like um, just lack of experience, you know, and going through the emotion, being in front of people, being on a stage. It was just, you know, caught like a stage fright. So yeah, that's that's how that ended up happening. But uh, yeah, so it was a, a I made it a tough fight. I actually still believe I did enough to either win or, like, really did the draw. But uh, I think, no, it is what it is. And then my trainer said straight away, listen, we're rematching this guy. He said to the promoter who promoted the show, he's like, we want this fight again in two, in, in as short as possible, you know. And then we rematched him, and, yeah, we got the win. That's great to get that backstory, actually. As you say there, not many people know you only had three amateur fights. Yeah. Um, that is obviously yeah. such a low number of amateur fights. And it sounds terrible to yeah. say that you never won an amateur fight. And then it sounds, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sounds amazing, though, to, 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 to think that you went on to become a world champion as a pro. So that's a fantastic little... Um, little title there um, yeah after avenging yeah. that loss you go on a 14 fight unbeaten streak 13 wins and a draw before that fateful night at the Microsoft Theatre in LA February the 16th 2019 I probably don't have to remind you of the date um, you challenged the yeah. undefeated IBF world champion Carlos Licona you were down on the scorecards at the end of round 11 coming out for the 12th and final round on two of those scorecards you're 7 points down you need a knockout in round 12 otherwise you lose the fight you manage to get the knockout with just 44 seconds left on the clock it simply does not get better than that what drama talk me through the fight dj oh my gosh yeah it's like a it's like a rocky movie man <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i had my trainer kenny adams in my corner so we're losing the fight you know also another just a weird moment for me, you know, I was on a big stage, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, man, I was on Leo Santa Cruz's undercard, 
um, just you know, a new a new thing for me. It was my first time outside of you know hostile grounds. I had all my fights. I was very comfortable having in front of my hometown crowd and everything. I didn't fight for 11 months, so I stepped into the fight with you. I get a call from Sean Gibbon. He's got the fight with Carlos Licona. Step into the ring. Man, like I say to everybody, for that, like a lot of that time, I was like on autopilot. I hardly remember the fight. And then I, but what I do remember is like Kenny told me, listen, son, we, you know, you didn't come all this way from South Africa to just throw this away. This was like the 9th or the 10th. And he said to me, we're down on the scorecard. You better start stepping it up. And from there, I just remember like, inside of my head, I said, listen, I need to win. And I started throwing with more intention to hurt. And, and I, it started to started to catch up. And then in the 12th round, I heard Carlos Lucanon with a big left hook. Um, so like I say, I think the, the punches from the 9th or 10th started taking its toll. And then in the 12th, I caught him with a big left hook. I, I will never forget, man. He got, I, I caught him, and as soon as I caught him, he grabbed onto me. And when he grabbed onto me, I tried to, so I didn't take much notice of it, but when I tried to push him off and let the ref break us, he held on like for dear life. And I realized, no, man, I hurt this guy. And I pushed him and I pushed him. And then when he separated us, I hit him with two over and right, bang, I caught him with the second one on the, on the um, like equilibrium, boom, and he went down. Then he got up another two times. Like, actually, you should have, like, the referee should have stopped it off to the second time down because he didn't stumble. And he didn't, and he let the fight go on again. And I knew I only have a few seconds left. And yeah, I cracked him again with the right, and he went down, and the referee stopped, my, stopped the fight. And yes, and one of the best moments of my life, eh? Yeah. You say one of the best moments of your life. Um, what other moments of yeah. your life are, are, are bigger or just as big? Oh man, like next to that, so like that is probably one on the side, but obviously my son, you know, just having my baby boy, uh, that's that's something I'll say. Um, my son, I've got my son Caleb, Caleb Creel, and uh, that was probably the biggest moment of my life. Is just, yeah, my wife giving birth to my baby boy. That was just um, truly amazing. But like I say, even that's you know winning the world title. That's right next to that, man. I mean, I've been boxing since since a little 12-year-old kid. I just wanted to become a world champion, you know? And that's why I say it's just as much as that to me that night, you know, with Carlos Licona. And DJ, I like to ask this question to guys that have, you know, been world champions. I, I like to ask this question. Describe for me the feeling of finally becoming a world champion in your own experience. Obviously, you say there, this was a dream since you were 12 years old. You said you got into the sport. It was a family, a family thing. Just describe to me what it felt like for you when you finally became champion of the world. Oh, man, like this, this, the feeling is indescribable. I can just tell you, you know, like I, like I explained to you, from being a little 12-year-old kid, all I do is work my whole life. I was just working because this is what was my dream to become a world champion. And that night, after, I, because also that I, I knew I was down on the scorecards and stuff, it was almost like a, an unbeatable thing, like, like damn, we're not going to win this, you know? And after I stopped him, like, everything inside of me just came out. I, I, I actually just remember screaming. Like I was, it was an unbelievable moment for me. Like I just came out and I was, I, I remember I was screaming. So I actually saw the video and I remember like everything just came out of me. Like I just won. And it, like, it was an unforgettable moment. Like I, uh, it's, it's hard to even describe, but something like imagine your, your best moment in your life. This is how I tell people. And like times that by 10 for me, <laughs> because like I'm saying to you, I was busy losing, and it's something I, I, I actually thought, you know what, I'm going to lose it. I actually, I'm losing this fight, you know. But always, I always pushed on because I thought, hey, I need to win. Always, that is in my head with every single fight is, I need to win, I need to win. And wow, and then I stopped him, and then it's just like my dream came true, you know. It's like, and then just out of pure emotion, I just started crying. It was, it was unbelievable. You know, like I say, working for that since I was a little kid. And then, you know, my dream come true. It's not every day someone even gets to say them until the end of their lives. 
Yeah, no, it's a, it's a brilliant thing, of course, and I love asking that question. Everyone has yeah. their own answer, um, but no, it's it's, it's fantastic, <laughs> obviously. Um, you never actually ended up defending the title. Obviously, you ended up vacating it. Um, for those that don't know your reasons behind that, just explain that. I'm under the... Well, I, I, I know what happened, basically. You was expected to defend it for pretty much peanuts, but explain to me what happened. Yeah, so I mean, I got a I got a call uh, from my agent, and uh, he said to me that we were going to go and defend in the Philippines, and it was going to be for very little money. And obviously, listen, I was working with Kenny Adams and them, and and like we all didn't agree on the amount of money, try to get more, and obviously they couldn't give us more, and it because it was it went to a purse bid, and uh, I mean I fought for like. If I think it was like $10,000 more for a challenge. So it really didn't make sense for us to go and fight to defend for like $10,000 less than challenging for the title. There was just no sense in it. And then the other thing is we did uh, have a... The reason also for uh, vacating is because we apparently got another opportunity, you know. So we had another opportunity on the line anyway. We were going to move up. And uh, Kenny was very interested because we said we're moving up the weight division. There's more more money and there's more um, opportunity there. So that's obviously what happened. And then we decided to vacate the title. Uh, but like mainly, yeah, you know, the reason is, like you said, is from uh, just we were going to go and defend it for like $16,000. So I thought to myself, uh, from my side, I was like, it's ridiculous. But all I wanted to do was fight, but we, we had another, so we still had a plan and there was, we actually were going to challenge for a time, for, we were going to challenge Felix Alvarado, stepped up and challenge him like after that. It just took its time, obviously, because of COVID. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, obviously, I'm happy that you said the figure as well, because when I actually learned that figure, I think, as you say, about $16,000 to go and defend your world title away from home, that's absolutely crazy, <laughs> and I, I couldn't believe my yeah. eyes when I when I, when I I read that, um, but yeah, getting back onto the timeline, like like you say, you vacate the title, you make the move to light flyweight, um, you had a non-title fight in Mexico, obviously, everything got delayed with COVID, um, obviously, a quick knockout. Out over there, Mexico. Then you're out the ring for just just over 13 months before stepping in with, um, obviously the then IBF champion of the world at light flyweight Felix Alvarado. Um, talk me through that fight. I mean, obviously the goal was to become a two weight world champion. Um, bit of a bad start. You were down in the second. You were down in the fourth. Ultimately, you wound up getting stopped in round 10. However, that doesn't quite yeah. tell the story of the fight. It was an excellent fight and one that you showed boatloads of heart in. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, before I get to that, like you said, so I was off um, my weight. So we vacated. And then we were actually supposed to fight Felix Alvarado. It went on for months, man. It went on for months, obviously, but we had to go and have a fight in Mexico to to be rated at Junior Fly, and then I could get the the title shots because I never fought at Junior Fly, and we moved up. And then, yeah, but anyway, long story short, it's, uh, the months went by, and then we actually ended up getting the shot on Ryan Garcia's undercard uh, in Texas. And, man, yeah, like you said, so fight starts. I get out, we box for the first round, Felix, Felix Alvarado, just a demon. <laughs> he came out He came out like a steam train first round. And um, yeah, like his pressure was just relentless, man. He's a monster. I love, I actually love, like I'm a fan, <laughs> you know. And uh, first round, just a steam train. Second round, he dropped me with a, with a leaping left hook. Uh, a punch I never saw coming. I turned, I'll never forget, I hit a left hook and I pivoted out and he caught me with the left hook, I went down. That was the second round. And then third round, everything was going still okay. Obviously, he's still coming out like a steam train though. <laughs> and then I went down again in the fourth. And the fight was like that the whole time. And the fourth, and then I remember coming back during the middle rounds, the fifth, sixth, and seventh, and about eight, somewhere there. You know, the middle rounds, I started uh, doing a little bit better. It's not that he slowed down. I think I just started moving a little bit more. I got onto my bicycle, started moving. Um, but, you know, obviously it, it caught up. And uh, then I got, I was I was getting, like, still blown away by him, man. Like, he came out the ninth round, like he came out the first round. <laughs> and then uh, 
I got caught, and then they stopped. Uh, the referee stopped the fight in the tank because he just saw a little bit too much, you know. And um, yeah, like I say, it was a fantastic fight. Um, you know, you showed so much bravery there, and you're right. You know, Alvarado, you know, he, he was and probably still is actually a, a, a real beast, um, especially at that time. And um, yeah, such a massive puncher as well for light flyweight. It's such a rare thing that someone can hit that hard at those weights. Yeah, it's um, unbelievable. Hundred percent. After yeah. after that fight, obviously you were out the ring for almost two years. What happened for that to be the case, DJ? Oh yeah, so we I, I tried to fight again. You know, we tried to set up fights up in Mexico to get the ball rolling again, get back in the ratings. But man, like two, three fights got put off. No, not even two. Sorry, yeah, definitely about three. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it was four. I had my manager Hector Cordova from uh, from the US and. Um, we were we were planning on getting back into the ring in Mexico. That fight got put off. I was going to fight a guy named Pinky Alejo, but then uh, he, the first time he got COVID, fight got put off. Second time we were traveling, we were even already in Tier 1 and we're heading our way up from there to go to Hermosillo, Sonora. And uh, then I got a call while we were in TJ and they said to us, no, the fight's put off two of the fights are cancelled or something, also due to COVID. So, yeah, it wasn't that I wanted... To, I didn't want to be an actor for two years. It was just, you know, no fights. And that's why I decided also to move back from Vegas back to South Africa to start getting fights because I couldn't get onto promotions in the US. You know, it's very hard for my weight division. You know, they don't, the networks don't want to put us on. So it was hard to get some, it was hard to get fights in the US. So then I just decided... Um, me and my wife let's go back home and then get my career going again you know and dj um obviously you've been you know very inactive since since losing the title um i wanted to ask obviously i think you've boxed about four times in 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 the last four and a half years almost um have you had to i mean has, has boxing been your only source of income or have you had to get a job perhaps even yeah, no, so I've always, I've always trained people. Um, I'm a trainer, actually. I've, uh, I do boxing training. I've got my own gym in South Africa called Eastside Boxing. And, uh, yeah, I train people, man. It's something I love doing. It's actually something I'm going to take, uh, take after, after I'm finished boxing. I'm going to become a professional boxing trainer because I love teaching, man. So, um, yeah, that's one of my things. So, yeah, that's what I do for income. Uh, I train people. I'm a boxing trainer. There we go, there we go. It's good to know that as well. And obviously, like I say, it's good for people to, to yeah, to know that really. I mean, you, you not long ago lost your world title. Here you are now training people to get by. It's not an ideal situation. You've had to move, you know, back home from Vegas. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a cruel side of boxing that people don't really hear about. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It's not, it's not like people don't know. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people don't know this, but I mean, you know, a lot of uh, our weight divisions, we don't make much money, man. You know, it's not like that. We can be a world champion, but it doesn't mean we're making hundreds and thousands of dollars, man. Yeah, so that's the problem. Yeah? I mean, even if you're defending, you know, guys are not making that much money. So it's not like you can go and retire off of the money you can make. The best thing you can do is the money you make, like we make in the smaller weight divisions is like, invest into something you know yeah no and i'm happy that you've invested it in in yeah. something that you enjoy and that you have as well um when you decide to hang yeah, up the gloves 100%. you are now back active yeah. you ended that layoff by returning in december last year and of course you just boxed on the 15th of this month picking up a points win back home again um what does the future hold right now in terms of your boxing career dj where do you see the next big move no, so I definitely see myself becoming a world champion again. I want to go back to the top of the mix of the world. You know, I think uh, I really, I am a change fighter. Like I really, my IQ is completely different. I've grown a bit, you know, I feel some punching power. So I'm happy to be at flyweight. Um, I'm going to either campaign still between flyweight and junior flyweight. And um, I, I want to become a world champion again. So now the thing is, it's just I have to be active. So we're trying to get fights. I mean, even this year again, like you said, I just I fought in December. And I only fought now again. I had actually two matchups during the year that were put off. So it's just about being active now and getting back into the ratings. So that's our goal. That's me and my manager's goal, um, Colin Nathan. So 
we now just busy trying to get fights, get back into the ratings, and then we're looking at getting back to the top level, you know. So it's just about getting the fights, getting active, getting back in the ratings, and then taking that step to the top. And and that was actually going to be my next question. Which kind of weight are you going to be campaigning at? You said you're going to be kind of between light, fly, and fly. I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, that's that's obviously the plan. Um, are there any names that you would want to fight? You know, is there any guys on your radar, DJ? I know that obviously you're gonna say, well, I wanna I wanna win a world title again. You've you've made it clear. And by the way, you're still young enough as well to do that. Um, but yeah, without actually targeting the belt holders, because that's a little bit of a step too far at the moment, not being ranked. Are there anyone? Uh, is there anyone out there that doesn't have a belt that you would like to get in the ring with? Oh uh, yeah. So 100%, like you were saying, it's hard to even think. I don't know many of the names, um, but like the divisions, like who I would be looking at at getting ratings. You know, so like, so, I mean, I know the boys like being guys stepping forward, obviously before world titles, like David Jimenez, I think his name is, Ricardo Sandoval, um, who else? There's some, you know, there's some good names that I know will put me they're in line for a world title. But obviously, I, I, I do have, like, I want to fight the best, man. But like you said, I have to first, there's first there's steps to take. But I don't know many of the boys' names, man. Like, But I'm willing to fight anyone to get to the top. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, put anyone in front of me. I know any task at hand, I, I'm, I always train like I'm training to fight a world champion. Um, obviously, my my goal is to fight the best. Those are those names like, you know, Jesse Rodriguez, Sonny Edwards. I'm actually fans of those boys, man. I really like them a lot. I'd love to fight them one day, you know. Um, but like you said, there's steps, there's steps to take. Uh, I think the kind of names I saw like to get to there is like Ricardo Sandoval, um, David Jimenez. There was, some, there was someone else's name that's also pretty good at the flyweight division. Um, and and you were talking, I told you I want to campaign also at Junior Flyer. My problem is that two of my two of my stable mates are actually champions at uh, uh, Junior Flyer. Well, Hakey's about to Hakey's about to fight to Jerry, and of course I've got my boy. I always back my boys, man. Um, I'm hoping I've got I've got him for the win. So it's gonna to be tough to stay still at Junior Flyer. I can't fight my boys, you know. They're my stable mates, <laughs> so it's a bit tough. <laughs> oh god yeah. it's not easy um obviously you don't know just yet who you're going to be fighting next but have you got like a month in your mind of when you're going to be fighting next at least dj um yeah so uh, i think in september colin's trying to get me something going because obviously my, my manager he's also got his own promotion company he's on the side of another promotion company so they're going to keep me busy um and obviously with tough fights, you know, we're just going to keep on stepping it up because, like, you know, like we said, we have to fight the guys to get to the top. Um, so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight hopefully in September or October, either between those two months, he said. Yeah, sounds so, yeah, good. So I look forward to that. Yeah, sounds good, my, sounds yeah, good, my friend. Yeah, so I can't wait. And um, I'm yeah. going to put you on the spot for my final real question. I, I should have probably given you a bit of notice with this one. Cause some people are like, oh my God, I'm on the spot and I don't know how to answer it. But it's a question that I like to throw <laughs> at everyone that we speak to from overseas. Favorite UK fighter, if you have one, any era, DJ. So it can be a guy still fighting now. It can be a guy from 300 years ago, if you know uh, British boxing that well. But yeah, anyone who springs to mind, just just reel off a name or two, if you have any, that is. Okay, you just got beat, but man, I still think he's a hell of a fighter. It's Josh Taylor, man. Josh Taylor, I love Josh. Um, actually met him a few times. He's pretty cool. And who else? Uh, the flamboyancy of Chris Eubank shit I loved it uh, the nut and gritty from uh, Nigel Nigel Ben yeah who else man yeah there's a, there's a lot of top uh, UK fighters that I love man I just love boxing so yeah that's <laughs> a good list that's a good list trying to man. think of it I'm trying to think and I'm trying to think of another one I'm trying to think of one more I'm also I've always been a fan of Anthony Joshua I've always been a fan of him just of the guy he is and stuff, pretty cool guy, you know. I hope to see his career go uh, go a little bit better for the next few years. Um, I'm a fan of his, yeah. 
But I, I guess, like, to answer your question, though, uh, Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor. Yeah, yeah, top quality fighter, but a, a, a bunch yeah. of good guys you mentioned there. Hopefully, we see Joshua fight Wilder yeah. in December. That'd be something. But just before, we, just before we wrap oh. it up, DJ, um, I want to just say to you, if you've got any closing words, just to the listeners. Um, obviously, people listen to this podcast from all over the world. So, if you want to sign out with a little message, say whatever you like before we let you go, my man. Guys, I will be back, man. Remember the name, DJ Crow. I'll be back to the top. Give me a while. But I'm back fighting, and I'm going to be pushing, pushing, pushing. Tune into my, my fights. I promise you, I'm always, I've always got a fight for you. Putting it out there. Yeah, let's go, baby. <laughs> let's go, let's go. Listen, DJ, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today, my man. Thank you for your time. Stay in touch, and we'll speak again real soon. Awesome, Joey. Thanks, man. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. Um, it's an addition to the Anthony Joshua Dillian White two undercard. Obviously, the date for that is going to be August the 12th. We're going to see two undefeated heavyweights collide. Uh, Philip Hergovic gets in with Dempsey McKean of Australia. So um, that will probably be a fun fight there. Um, I'd expect Hergovic to win, though. I'd say. Um, also, in other news, we're going to see the rematch again with um, Liam Smith and Chris Eubank Jr. Um, that one to go down September the 2nd at the AO Arena in Manchester. Um, hopefully, this date does end up actually happening. Um, so, yeah, good to see that one get made. I didn't really want to see both guys go separate ways. I didn't really want to see Chris Eubank Jr. lose a fight by knockout to Liam Smith, then go straight in with Conor Ben and make much more money. Not that I care about how much he makes, but... I felt it was like, you know, Liam Smith's not... Where's his piece of the pie for for knocking you out, you know? So, good to see it happen again. And this time, obviously, uh, Eubank Jr. has to win. Otherwise, that's that. Liam Smith is a better fighter and everyone knows it if you're, if you're not already convinced from the first fight. But anyway, in other news as well, top rank have signed the Olympic gold medalist... Bakadir Jalalov. That's a multi-year contract that they've got going on. But yeah, that's it for the news. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start with this one here. Uh, it takes place at the Meadowbank Sports Centre tomorrow night. Um, yeah, in, in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, over here. It's going to be live on Channel 5, actually. Um, what do we have? Let's start with the undercard. Um, friend of the show, Harlem Eubank. We were just talking about his cousin, Chris Jr. But yeah, he is 17-0. He gets in with Ishmael Ellis, who's 14-6. and Not sure how many rounds that fight is. Uh, we're going to see Isaac Lowe as well. Another friend of the show. 22-2 with three draws. Gets in with Jonathan Santana. 9-5 and with a draw. I'm expecting that one to go the distance. Isaac Lowe probably to win on points. Um, we're going to see Matty Harris, 5-0, and um, a, you know, a heavyweight prospect coming through that there's a lot of hype, um, you know, around. I think it's it's mainly Calla Sauerland who's, you know, pumping out the hype on him, but quite a good fighter, you know. They've matched him quite tough in just his five fights. He's got four KOs, but he's been in with durable guys, really. Um, and yeah, I, well, I mean, he's been in with a couple of guys that don't get knocked out often. He's been in with a couple of guys who's never been stopped, and he's managed to stop them. But anyway, gets in here with Konstantin Dovbyshenko, who is an extremely tough guy. 9-13 and 13 with a draw. People will remember, obviously went the distance last time with Moses Atalma. You know, Moses Atalma couldn't knock him out. That's the first guy that took him the distance. But other than that, he's extremely tough. Obviously, been the distance and lost to Andre Rodenko, Jose Lardou, um, who else? Who else? Um, Zan Kosobutsky. Again, he's the only person Zan Kosobutsky couldn't knock out in 19 fights. So, um, yeah, I just, I just think, yeah, Matty Harris probably going to win this one on points. I'd be very surprised if he got him out of there. I think it's only a six-rounder as well. Also on the card, we're going to see Sultan Zorbeck, 14-0. Um, he gets in with Spain's John Carter, who's 15-0 with a draw. Again, I'm expecting Zorbeck to win that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he won on points. I think you can get a decent price on that, but he probably will knock him out. But I think it's still worth a little punt on points there. And the main event, Lee McGregor, 12-0 with a draw. It's for the vacant IBO World super bantamweight title he gets in with Eric Ayala who is 13 and 1 I can't say I know too much about him moving out now though to Dubai at the Dubai Studio City 
over here, I don't know what TV channel it's going to be on, if any, but anyway, friend of the show tops the bill, Jazza Dickens, 32 and 4. He gets in with Hector Andres Sosa, who's 15 and 2. Once again, I'm expecting Jazza to pick up a points win here. It's over 12 rounds for the IBO World Featherweight title. Um, yeah, Jazza. Um, yeah, I mean, he's in good form, you know, he's in good form. Um, obviously lost to, uh, to to Kid Galahad, which hasn't aged great. But other than that, that was his real, you know, main hiccup in, in recent years. I mean, he was on a heck of a run. Him and Maxi Hughes were on kind of similar runs. Like, they turned their careers right around. And also, I'll say as well, Jason Cunningham as well deserves a shout in that kind of, in that kind of um, same level and 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 sentence but yeah anyway um all the best to jazza you know all the best to him um yeah and his opponent here like i said i don't know too much about him but yeah from argentina never been stopped in his two losses so i'm expecting him to uh to probably lose on points here to jazza and on the undercard as well just a fight i think deserves a mention here mohammed wasim he's 12 and 2 and i'll be completely honest i don't rate him that much at all i don't think he's that good but he gets in with former world champion i want to say donny nietes um, is like a four-weight world champion or something. But anyway, 43-2 and two with six draws these days. It's for the IBO World Bantamweight title. I, I don't know if it's four-weight classes or three or something like that. But anyway, this guy, Donny Nietes, I, I definitely think he's way, 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 you know, down the, down the, uh, the other end of the slide now. I think he's certainly you know, at the end of his career, really. But I still think he could have enough in the tank to beat Mohamed Wasim, because um, I just am not really impressed with Wasim too much. And I was very surprised to see Nietes is the betting underdog, just to win by any method, I think, it's about 6-4. to four. I think I'm, I'm going to definitely get a piece of that action there. Um, and yeah, to win on points is even is even better priced, of course. Moving out now to the Shumash Casino in Santa... I don't know how to pronounce that, but somewhere in California, it's going to be live on USA UFC Fight Pass. This fight, I don't think will go the distance. We're going to see Sergei Bohachuk, 22 and 1, 22 wins all by knockout. The one loss by knockout is never gone the distance in any fight, win or lose. It's for the WBC Continental America's Super Welterweight title. It's over 10 rounds. He gets in with Patrick Alote, who is 42 and 4. Um, Bohachuk, obviously, always really, really good to to win watch him um i remember seeing him lose in his sole defeat um to brandon adams and that one was a really good fight as well i remember that it was on like a strange card somewhere and yeah he gets in here with like i say patrick elote from ghana um extremely padded record though that's the only thing about this guy you know extremely padded i was looking through obviously the guy's got 42 wins and i was looking back through it and honestly i don't really recognize probably more than one name in his win column but I I pretty much recognize all the guys in the loss column like Patrick Texera like Kana Islam like Jaime Mungia most recently back in 2019 um so yeah I'd expect Bohachuk to win this one by knockout again really I think it's you know, decent matchmaking though. Moving out now though to the Fire Lake Arena in Oklahoma, USA. This one's going to be live on ESPN. Um, a few fights to mention on the card here actually. Where shall we start? Uh, we're going to start with a heavyweight that I'm going to um, give a little bit of credit to. Um, Jeremiah Milton, 9-0 with 6 KOs, six foot four. Um, 29 years of age. He gets in with Willie Harvey, who's four and two with two draws. That's over eight rounds there on the undercard. All the best to Jeremiah Milton. Also on the card as well, Stefan Shaw, 18 and one, gets in with Joseph Goodall, who's nine and one with a draw. It's over eight rounds there. Um, happy to see Stefan Shaw back in action. Obviously, last time out, lost on points to Effie Jagba, but showed a heck a lot. Um, a heck of a lot of skill in that fight, but just seemed to slow down. And you could see he had the ability, but just didn't do enough. He only ended up losing, you know, by two points after 10 rounds. It was 96-94 for a Jagbar across all three scorecards. He kind of let the fight slip away. But undoubtedly, the guy's got a lot of skill. And I just want to see what he's going to bounce back like here. Like I say, gets in with Joseph Goodall, who is a good, you know, a good puncher. Eight KOs from his nine wins from Australia. Um, got got beaten in his in his sole defeat 
uh, to Justin, uh, sorry, not Justin, Justice Hooney. Um, yeah, that one was over over 10 rounds, two fights ago. But yeah, um, just I, I think Stefan Shaw can do something at a certain level. And um, yeah, I want to see how he bounces back here. Um, also on the card, we're going to see Troy Isley, friend of the show, 9-0 in an eight-rounder here at middleweight against Antonio Todd. All the best to Troy Isley. Also on the card, Giovanni Santillan, 30-0, gets in with Eric Bone, who's 27-6. and That's over 10 rounds at welterweight. Um, Keyshawn Davis as well. I like this fight, actually. I love what they're doing with Keyshawn, the, the the matchmaking is really quite quite brilliant. Um, especially of late, he's kind of been boxing, you know, a few European fighters and stuff. Who, you know, as 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 uh, UK uh, boxing media, I know these guys really well. Like, obviously, last time with Anthony Yigit managed to get him out of there. He gets in here with Francesco Patera, who's twenty eight and three. Um, obviously, Patera's been a decent fighter. He's on a real good run as well. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten wins in a row there. Um, wins over Samuel Molina, uh, Paul Highland Jr., Devis Boschiero. Um, yeah, you know, a decent fighter. Lewis Ritson as well, actually. I forgot to mention how could I how could I leave him out? Um So yeah, he's on a bit of a run, but yeah, you know, never been stopped. Will he be stopped for the first time here? Um it's a tough one. I think it's a tough one. I think Keyshawn's an excellent fighter. I honestly love watching him fight. I'm so happy it's gonna be on Sky Sports here in the UK, but yeah, I don't know. Will he stop him? I'm not entirely sure. If he stops him, it probably will be late, I'd say. So maybe have a look at the late rounds or maybe just the points, a points victory. I don't know. I'm going to look more into that and see what the prices say. But yeah, always good to see him fight. And then obviously the main event, George Cambosos Jr., another friend of the show, 20-2. and two. He gets in with the UK's Maxi Hughes, 26-5 and five, with two draws. It's over 12 rounds for the IBO World Lightweight title. Um, again, I don't know how you see this fight, Eddie. I don't, I don't think you're going to know too much about Maxi Hughes, but you can have a little word or whatever on Cambosos in a sec. But Cambosos coming off two painful back-to-back crushing defeats to Devin Haney. Um, obviously didn't get stopped in either of them, but he took a beating pretty much for 24 rounds in a row. However, I still think, I think sometimes when you take a beating like that, it can improve you as a fighter a little bit, you know? Um, that might sound mad because he has done 24 rounds. He's not just done 12 or done 10 and took a bit of a beating. But he got in there with, you know, one of the very best in in the division, Devin Haney, who's obviously now undisputed. And um, I just think after getting in with him to get straight in with Maxi Hughes, who, like I say, is on a heck of a run, honestly. I know, again, you're not going to know his career too well, Eddie, but this guy's on a on a crazy run, you know, from, from kind of being British level to going and beating Kid Galahad last time out, um, beating uh, that Mexican danger man, Giovanni Straffon as well. Um, he's, he's just in a brilliant, brilliant piece of form, but... Cambosos, I think, is going to be too too good, really. Cambosos, obviously, done about 200 or 300 rounds of sparring with Manny Pacquiao. I think he's going to, you know, be be uh, more than capable of beating uh, Maxi Hughes, who's a southpaw. That's why I brought up the Pacquiao thing. Um, so yeah, I'm expecting a good performance from George Cambosos. Um, I I. I think for him to win by stoppage is about four to one. I think that's a good price, although it probably won't land, but it's still a price not to be ignored. Um, but yeah, I think George Cambosos will win this fight and put an end to Maxi Hughes' fantastic run. Um, I don't have much more to say on it, really, but did you want to weigh in on Cambosos, Eddie? Um, yeah, two two real lessons against Devin Haney. Yeah, yeah, coming off that is, is going to be rough, especially coming off it. With a guy like this, I mean, I don't know too much about him, but I remember hearing a lot about him and, uh, you know, the Kiki Galahad fight uh, that he had. But, um, yeah, it's it's a lot on Kambosis. But at this point, because he was undisputed champion, he still has a lot to live up to. And uh, losing to Devin Haney the way he did, he had done the way he did, and being dominated both both fights like that, he's got to make a splash, you know. And against a guy like this, who, like you said, is on a really good run, He's really having it, you know, he's really stepping his career up to a higher level. He has to prove that he's still capable of being the Don of the division, even though Devin Haney bested him real bad twice. So, you know, he, this is this is a pretty important fight for Cambosis. And I, 
I think, I mean, I really don't have a huge background on the other guy, on uh, Max Hughes, but um, he has to be, he has to be hot. He has to be, he has, he has to get in there and, and dominate and control the fight and show his, his show his class. And he's got to be at that level. Um, and then, you know, after that, maybe he gets another big fight and probably, and possibly back in title contention. But right now, he's got to take the first step and it's a hell of a first step because this guy set it off such a great run, but he's got to take this step and he's got to do what he got to do. And, and at least at the very least dominate the fight, control the fight and obviously then win the fight. But, uh, and we'll see if he can do that. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, and we'll see. Yeah. Like I say, there's a rule on the podcast. If you've been on at any point since we started back in 2015, then, I, I pull for you to win your fight. So even though obviously we're seeing um we're seeing him step in with a British fighter in Maxi Hughes, a man who I take my hat off to absolutely every time. Um I am kind of wanting Cambosos to get the job done just because he's a friend of the show. I like Cambosos. Even though I haven't spoke to him for a while, he's a bit hard to reach these days, mind you. But all the best to him. Moving out now to this one, it goes down on DAZN at the Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. Just one fight to mention over here. Friend of the show, another guy um, who a lot of people probably won't even know about, Tyler Tomlin. He's 14-1. and one. Um, He's in an eight-rounder here against Abdul Suseda, who's 11-3. and three. And yeah, moving to the final card to mention i'm sure we're going to have a bit to say on it it takes place next tuesday july 25th it's going to be live on espn um i'm, I'm hoping it's going to be live on uh, sky sports as well though i'm not entirely sure that time in the morning i should actually check and i will check actually when you're speaking about it eddie but let's start um with the undercard here another fight very much worth mentioning rabisi ramirez gets in with satoshi shimizu who's 11 and 1 um obviously rabisi ramirez 12 and 1 um it's it's the first defense here of ramirez's wbo featherweight world title um i can't say i know too much about the japanese fighter here um Shim- shimizu um, Southpaw, the one loss came to Joe Noine. Okay, I'm not. I don't think Joe Noine is that great of a fighter. So yeah, looking at that, um, that's that's kind of told me. I think all I need to know, although that does sound a bit ignorant. Um, but yeah, let's just move straight up to the main event. Again, it warms us up for what's going to be a fantastic seven days or a fantastic week of boxing. Obviously, like I say, we're we're previewing this because, um, you know, by the time the show goes out next week. This fight would have already took place, so we're previewing it here, even though it's next week. But yeah, this is a fight taking place on the Tuesday, um, and obviously on the Saturday we get to see Spence Crawford, but we'll be previewing that one next week. Um, But yeah, here we go. Um, Yeah, for the WBC and WBO World Super Bantamweight titles we're going to see Stephen Fulton 21 and 0 friend of the show which of course means I'm pulling for him he gets in with Japan's golden boy really Naoya Inoue 24 and 0 um, I think it's a fantastic fantastic fight and I'm so happy that they managed to get it back on because it was on and then it was off I think I think Inoue got ill or something like that I'm not entirely sure there's a lot of I don't, I don't really want to feed into it but there's a lot of speculation actually about that quote unquote illness and 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 what had actually got this fight delayed and I don't want to go into that that's that's a that's a whole nother a whole nother thing but you know the fight itself I think's a fantastic fight obviously Stephen Fulton has just impressed me more and more and more every time I've seen him and I think we've seen we've seen him fight a range of styles and we've seen him adapt in a fight to the guy's styles you know I feel like he's shown a bit more to his game every single time and the guy can box the guy can fight you know he's strong. He's he's extremely tough. Got a good chin. Got a crazy work rate. Um, I I I'm I'm so impressed with him, man. I swear. Every time I see him fight, I'm I'm a bigger and bigger believer of this guy. You know. Um, I remember him getting the shot against Angelo Leo. I don't even think he was supposed to get that shot. I think Angelo Leo was going to be fighting someone else, and Fulton stepped in, if I'm not mistaken. Um, obviously beat him. Um, you know, beat um, Brandon Figueroa after that, although that was quite controversial. But then as well, you know, last time out beating Danny Roman as well. Um, Danny Roman decided to retire after the fight. But yeah, gets in with, with Inoue, who... <laughs> 
yeah, he lives up to that name, you know what I mean? The monster, he is a monster. However, again, last time out, went 11 rounds with Paul Butler. That was very unexpected. I thought he'd take Butler out in about a round or two, maybe three. No one saw it going 11. And obviously, the fight before that, he looked so clinical in that rematch against Nonito Donaire. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say, really. I mean, if the fight goes the distance, I think Fulton's got a chance. But I think most people are expecting Naoya Inoue to get it done within the distance. Um, obviously, he's just a crazy puncher. Crazy puncher. He can mix it from the head to the body. He can punch with both hands. Amazing footwork. Amazing defense. Crazy pressure. Good feints. He is unbelievable. But yeah, the height advantage is with the Philadelphian. Um Oh, it's a great fight, Eddie. But I tell you what, if I'm going to push myself for a prediction, I hate to say it, but I think Inoue might get to him at some point in the second half of the fight and might stop him. But I hope I'm wrong. Say your piece, though, Eddie. I hope you're wrong, too, man, Joe. I really do. Uh, I, this kid grew up around me. I remember watching him as a young young guy running around in the gym. <laughs> you know what I mean? Playing. Uh, and then you know you just see the talent and the ability but now it's like full surface full circle he's done so much uh he's obviously had so much growth from that time and then through the amateurs and then now to the pros he's a good good little fighter and a good guy i would love to see him be able to pull off this this huge win here to put him in really really elite company extremely elite company and you know it'd be awesome to see you know, that's somebody from our area, somebody uh, that I don't want to say no one expected to be at this point, but, you know, being at the light, those lighter weights, you don't really, you know, always pay, you know, not everybody pays attention to it. So this is a, this is an awesome thing for him. And I really, really hope he's able to get it done. But you're facing a tall order with this guy, like a really tall order. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a huge ask. To, for him to go in here and in Japan to deal with this kind of onslaught. But, you know, this is what you do it for. This is the reason you fight. This is the reason, you know, that you don't do it on paper. You do it in the ring. And the kid has all the ability in the world, but so does so does Stephen Fulton. So um it's gonna be it's gonna be a very, very interesting fight. I I can't wait to actually get a chance to watch it if <laughs> if it's possible. You know, for me to watch it here, I think I'm going to prepare for it. Uh, you know, actually now we can, like somewhat, not a full week in advance, but, you know, in advance enough uh, so that I can watch it live. But, um, yeah, it'll be, it's going to be, it's going to be an awesome fight. I, I really think that he's going to pull him, to, you know, he's going to push him to the brink, I think. Uh, and uh, even if he doesn't win it, as long as he has a hell of a showing, uh It'll be a it'll be a satisfactory performance for me. I would love to see him win it though, because this is a hell of a hell of an opportunity for him, and you know it'll push him right to the top. You know, and he's already right there, but this will definitely push him to the top. Um, so looking forward to it. Hopefully, he can get it done. Hopefully, he can get it done. And you you said something very important there. It will push him to the top, and I agree a hundred percent. I mean, he wins this, he's undoubtedly top five pound for pound. Like there's no there's no argument, and that's the only thing that I think Fulton has been lacking a little bit. You know, some people are kind of hesitant to put him in the top ten. You know, because even though he's he's unbeaten and he's been beating these good fighters, they're like, well, you know, Danny Roman retired after the fight. Well, Angelo Leo, yeah, you beat him, but how good was he? You know, what's he done since you beat him? He's disappeared. Um, you know, Brandon Figueroa, well, you got hurt in that fight. You know, I don't even think you won that fight. But this one here to go this far away from home and to beat someone like Inoue, it'd be one of the biggest wins on the road in, in recent times, and obviously it's such a different time zone and everything, I know that he tweeted the other day, Stephen Fulton, he actually celebrated his birthday in Japan the thing is, it was his birthday in Japan, but it was it was not his birthday in the US, it was he, he still had to wait another day in the US which was kind of weird, it just goes to show how much of a time difference there is, but he's, he's been over there in Japan now for a little while, I'm sure he's used to it um, coverage will be starting, I've just checked it now, coverage will be starting at 9.30 a.m. in the UK, which will be 4.30 4 a.m. 
um, where you are, Eastern Time, Eddie. But yeah, 9.30 a.m. in the UK on Sky Sports. Um, obviously, the main event won't, won't be starting that early. It looks like it ends up finishing at 2 p.m. Um, so yeah, I guess there's going to be a few fights on the undercard being shown live there, but not entirely sure what time the main event starts, although I'd say it's probably going to be somewhere around about midday, I would have thought, which will be about 7 a.m. Eastern time. That's just my guesstimate. But anyway, all the best there to cool boy Steph, and um, I hope he can pull it off, man. And um, yeah, we should mention as well, obviously, Inoue moving up a weight here, and... Um, yeah, it's just going to be fantastic to see this fight take place. It is against two of the very best fighters down at the lower weights. And yeah, I'm just so glad that we're only a couple days away now. But anyway, that brings the preview part to a close. In part one, we did the review part. Then we welcomed our special guest. In part two, we did the news. We've just wrapped up the preview part. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 405 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge shout-out to this week's special guest, the former IBF minimum weight world champion, Mr. DJ Krill. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thanks once again for tuning in. Unfortunately, Box Hard Podcast on Twitter has been permanently banned. So for the moment, if you do want to interact with us, you'll have to find us on Twitter at our personal personal accounts basically at joey coastman or at champ fast eddie i'm still reachable on instagram at box hard podcast but the twitter is gone and apparently it's permanent so i'm unsure right now what we're going to be doing in in terms of making a new twitter just for the podcast it's probably going to affect views as well quite badly because obviously twitter was a really powerful platform that i'd use to put the to put the you know the podcast out every week so i'm gutted by that but yeah there's not much i can do but anyways that's about everything from myself enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week